sorry you'll have to edit things. <laughs> I'll start talking now. <laughs> it's like writers in their natural environment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was great. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Today, we have a very special guest, author Miri C. Golden. So back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, Miri C. Golden grew up in the rural mountains of Southern Oregon, where cougars and deer outnumber people. Raised without TV, gaming systems, and central heating and air, she escaped real life through fantasy novels. Not much has changed since then, Save for the dinosaurs, they died off. Currently, Mary resides in the Pacific Northwest with her oh-so-sexy husband and their two little monsters. She continues to escape all of life's disappointments through reading and writing. But when she's stuck adulting and can't immerse herself in magic, dragons, and one true loves, she tolls her days away in the art industry. In addition to banking words, Miri enjoys biking, cooking, reading, and exploring art in its many mediums, as well as stuffing her face, rolling her eyes, and liberally applying four little words in their conjugates to every situation. Oh yes, an epicene didn't kill himself. Miri, welcome to the show. We hey. are so excited to have you. I'm super glad to be here. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I mean, your bio was great. It was fun and sassy and all that good stuff. But tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you actually got into writing and decided to become an author. Oh, you want to hear that story? Jeez. All right. So it's, it's actually, it's not a very, um, <laughs> I dabbled in fan fiction way back in the day, like literally when those dinosaurs were out praying the earth and I, I never took writing seriously. I took creative writing and uh, technical writing at university. Um, but honestly, when I was doing that, I was a Russian major. So I was just filling credits. I had no aspirations to write. Um, in, I was an electrician. I've been a photographer for the last 10 years. And I've been really blessed to be able to make a living doing something I'm passionate about, which I, I love art and it's all its mediums. But in 2015, my dad was diagnosed with metastatic melanoma. And he's not my natural father, but he is the father of my heart. And from March 5th to October 13th, 2015, he went from a strapping, strong, can-do-anything guy to dead. Uh, and it was a really ugly, horrible, awful illness. Um, and I couldn't sleep. Every time I closed my eyes, I would watch my dad fight for his last breath. Like it was, I was afraid to sleep. And then if I slept, I knew I was going to wake up the next morning. And there'd be like that twilight moment where everything's great. And then you'll lose it all over again. So for, for nine months, I, I just wrote all through the night. It was manic. I logged over a million and a quarter words between September and the end of February in 2016. Um, it's still absolutely no intentions to ever publish any. It I was just, it was cathartic. I was totally having just diarrhea of the heart. It was all this poison was bleeding out. I was escaping in, in imaginary people who had more power over their life than I had over mine. And 
at some point I was able to, you know, I was still grieving, but I was able to, to feel somewhat normal, somewhat balanced. And, um, I couldn't stop writing at all. It was like, I found, I found my thing. I found my joy. I found my Zen. And since then I have missed maybe an accumulative seven or eight days of writing sessions. Like, it's my me time. So for me, I'm not clocking into going to work. This is, I get up super early in the morning. I have two noisy boys. So if I want quiet to write in, I get up really early and I get my hours in to write without interruptions. Cause we all know that interruptions are just, that's, that's our bane. That's our kryptonite. So uh, that's how I started writing. And I, you know, eventually got to the point to where I was like, well, you know, my story, like, I really like it. These are the books that I want to read. So then I explored the avenues into publishing and, um, you know, I explored the traditional route and decided um, eventually that wasn't for me. Uh, and I've taken the indie path. I've written 12 books, over 100,000 words. I just published the 13th. The other 12 will be either completely tossed out, never to be seen again or recycled. Um, so I, I feel, I feel pretty solid about my skills entering the scene. I also like my creative control. So that's a big plus for me. So that's the whole shabam, how I got to where I'm at. Okay. First of all, there is just so much to unpack in that. <laughs> I know, right? I still need to go to therapy. No, but like that is, first of all, that is awesome. Um, you know, condolences, of course, but to be able to, because not everyone can take tragedy and turn, you know, use that to fuel their art, right? Some mm -hmm. people, you know, tragedy hits them and they fall apart, you know, and then they themselves eventually go. But for you to take that and for that to somehow, I mean, of course, publishing wasn't of mine but to take that and to turn that into art that you are now going to be releasing to the world i mean like first of all that is inspirational that is awesome and i think for our listeners like that's a takeaway you know i mean you may not be thinking about anything long term in the future now but if you find yourself using you know writing as a way to just get that pain out to just get those thoughts out eventually you realize you actually might have the gift and you might find yourself down the road to being an author i think that's that is just absolutely awesome i don't know angela you wanted to comment on that too oh yeah absolutely i um i think it's amazing how you can take like something that is happening that's terrible and just find a release for it through words and i feel like journaling or like just healing through writing is such a powerful way to go. I do remember when I was in college, I took a course on just healing through writing and like kind of going back to like things that happened in life that awesome. were just kind of, yeah, just like kind of difficult to go through and just going through it again by like writing it down and getting it out. And I also feel like that helps with your, with your words and really crafting a story that's real and resonates with readers and something that, you know, you probably have messages in your stories that people can really resonate with just because it's so real and raw and honest. And so I'd love to hear if, you know, you've used some of your, your past experience, good or bad, to really craft your characters and make them more realistic to your audience? Oh, sure. I, I cherry pick from authors. They don't even have to be authors, writers, anyone that explores the human condition. We're people watchers. We get inside people's heads. We're the, we're the ones that always are having the 
the narration when we're watching the crowds, you know, what's up with that person, that couple's fighting, this lady's not having a good day, that lady's having a really good day. You know, we we're able to get inside people's heads and um, sure, I've drawn on like method acting maybe would be a great parallel. I think when you're really immersing yourself in a character, you have to step into their shoes and their heads and, and ask yourself how you, you have to become that character. Um, to some degree, if you want to give it, unless you have a gift for absolutely BSing your way through character development, which <laughs> I don't, I have to, yeah, there was some self-censoring there. Okay. <laughs> like family friendly. Okay. So, um, yeah, that I've drawn from a lot of the pain in my own life, a lot of from the victories, um, you know, I, I write younger characters at this point, um, Simply because my pragmatism and my um, my inability to separate myself from reality won't let me take a woman my age and let her blow off all her responsibilities and go do crazy things because <laughs> that just that wouldn't be cool. But <laughs> younger people, they they've got it. They've got a free ticket out. They can go and do that. Um, so it's really funny, like as you develop your characters with flaws. I've drawn from a lot of my own flaws. And I think that's, um, that's some of the most authentic material in my work because, you know, the older I get, the more I know that I didn't know Jack back in the day. And the more I really wouldn't like to be around the person I was 20 years ago. Oh, I knew everything 20 years ago. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I could judge anyone too. Oh, <laughs> seriously, it was bad. It didn't seem bad at the time, but looking back, it's like, gosh, almost everything that I had strong convictions about evolved or changed or sometimes left me completely. So when I make assumptions and opinions these days, I, 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 it's always with reserved judgment. Like it's got to be a really, I've got a hard evidence in my hand to say, thus saith the Lord on anything. Otherwise, there's probably variables I don't know. And I'm going to wait it out before I make a decision, before I cast a judgment. But man, 20 years ago, I was rash and so smart. Um, yeah, so it's been fun taking the flaws and the lessons I've learned and sticking my poor characters <laughs> through the gauntlet to learn the same lessons. So craft question for me then. So like, what does your process look like, right? So for those who are listening, they're like, well, if you craft these amazing characters, how do you do it? Because my characters suck. Right. So, like, right. Right. So well, your you know, process? of all, of all the growth I've had as a writer since 2015, I would say my, my characterization process has, has been pretty stable. It hasn't changed a lot. My stories always start with a character. It's, I have a character that I could put him in a Western or a romance or a sci-fi, like, they will not change with their environment. They are that character. And then I give them lots of lies that they believe about themselves. So there may be outside forces at play and external obstacles, but their number one roadblock is always themselves. It's, it's, it's what they believe about themselves is keeping them from reaching their potential. Um, that's just, that's a common theme I have. And I think that that's, <laughs> I'd write it because I think that's true of all of us. We're our number one enemies. We're the ones that don't try things because we say we can't do it. Um, so I, I think that's a, 
a common truth that can resonate with just about anyone that is self-aware. Um, once I have that person, then of course I got to like give them some more people to bring out their ugly sides and their nice sides and stuff. So we go from a single character who is holding himself back in some capacity that still has, I haven't even started on like the external plot stuff. We're looking at the character art now. Now we're going to give them some dynamics. We're going to give them the people they change. And I'm really big on, Anne Shirley's always been one of my favorite characters. And while some people would, I, I don't think she's completely stagnant as a character, but she absolutely changes the people around her. And that was a big theme in um, the Anne of Green Gables series. And you know, I want to be able to show that that development around the character is happening in, in group dynamics. And they're changing because of the choices that they're making, because of how their worldview changes, but they're also changing people around them. Mm. Um, so then I have my dynamics and, and then I, you know, decide what kind of misery I'm going to dump on these poor souls. Um, <laughs> I'll usually get a notebook and uh, I'm... I'm big on individual vernacular. Like we all have our go-to phrases. Mine's a lot of four-letter words, um, <laughs> some Yiddish, and it's, you know, we all have our own way of speaking. And so I, I want to find the voice for that character. And I usually write from the get-go. I have a pretty good idea of how I hear them. But then it's it's going and picking like keywords for common things. How would they refer to something? Um, how would they describe something? And you know, even in narrative prose, because I usually write uh, a third-person deep is that's still their voice, even though we're not doing first person, that's still their voice. So I have to craft my prose as they would be hearing it in their own head. And so having, you know, an idea of how formally they speak, of their cultural influences, of what they've heard around them that all shapes how they speak. Um, you know, you wanna be able to craft a voice that people can recognize without dialogue tags. So I'll get my little book and I have my go-to phrases. And honestly, by the time I start writing, I don't have to look at the book anymore. I know, but it's there and it's fun to go back and look later on. Uh, so, right, so we've got uh, dynamics, their voice, then we give them a goal that they've got to reach. And it's never about the goal. I write fantasy stories about the human condition and it, the, the fantasy is just icing, man. It's all about the people and the human heart that's that's what i think no one is going to relate to that awesome magic system and that cool dragon it doesn't mean they're awesome it doesn't mean they can't like propel the story to the next level but what a, what a reader is going to connect with first is that other person that feels like they do and hurts like they do and loves like they do so you know i think the world building part well it's a fine balance between finding something that's marketable as in people are familiar enough with it that you can like package it up and sell it and people know what you're talking about, vampires or fae or whatever. And I used to not understand why people would use the same stuff over again. I understand now it's so readers can identify what they're looking for in the market, even though I, I really like original stuff. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll build a world around them and I'll try to make it as unique as the character, but I structure that world to like make my character's life harder. You know, they, they don't get you, they don't get you, that, that's, all, that's all malleable, that can change. Um, that part of the story usually writes itself because I want my character to get from A 
to be, so what do I need to throw at them in order to make that, that transformation? And so long as I have like a theme and idea of the kind of vibe I want from the world, it just all comes together at that point. Seriously, I love that because that speaks to me, um, especially just because when I think of all my favorite stories, I remember the character that mm-hmm. like I just, I stuck with them. They were in my heart. Like even with, <laughs> to this day, I have read just about everything Angela has written except for like maybe one or two stories <laughs> until this day years later I'm always like bring this character back I don't oh, care yes. totally, totally. Like, there's characters that are real to me I mean they're family you know absolutely so totally I, I... yeah and I love your approach to getting in their heads you know like to the point where you're like wait is it me thinking or is it them I'm not sure wait a second you know you start to see like your character that you're really immersed in start oozing to the surface in your everyday life and it's like whoa where's our wall get back on track no i'm not gonna pull a leonardo dicaprio and sleep on the streets for two weeks you know to get into a character's head i'm much too lazy and in needful of my comforts but still the, the the ideology is the same no, that's great. And I really like that kind of like character first and digging into the characters first and then, you know, centering the world around them to make their lives harder, which is just hilarious. It's it's so fun, like what we as authors take our characters through. Thank just goodness we're so not hard. God. Uh, that, that's, I mean, like the world would be in trouble if authors were the almighty. This is yes. true. Because, <laughs> goodness, yes. The suffering we put characters through. Oh, I know. It's bad. My my oldest son thinks I'm a straight up sadist. Like, oh. he's just like, how can you do that to people, mom? <laughs> like, well, makes for good tension. <laughs> and also it's fictional. And so it's just interesting. And it really, I'm finding that when I'm reading, of course, like I love the characters, characters first. And I think that's one reason I struggle sometimes with very, with more old school fantasy, because it's very plot driven instead of character driven. There's still characters in there that I could care about, but the plot really comes first. And that totally that makes and it harder. More, more distance from the reader. There was a lot of fantasy written in omnipresent and then in really removed third person. So we're never inside the character's head. And the, like, you know, think about like David Eddings and Terry Goodkind and stuff. And I grew up on that stuff. You know, that was, that was the fantasy I read originally. And they were great stories, but it, it was, it was the plot that was the, the centerpiece. And I think I was nine when we moved down here to Southern Oregon from the Portland area and I had no friends and um, didn't know my neighbors and we went to the public library and I discovered Tamora Pierce's song of Linus Quartet. It was over. It, it was over before <laughs> it started. But even even that book that was written, and I don't think they had a YA category back then, it was, it was considered a children's book, but it was really closely written in third person, even at, and I, it resembles nothing like modern YA. Um, it, you know, I think if it was marketed today, that series would be marketed as, as middle grade, um, but we were still in the character's head, and after that, I, 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 I couldn't do the not character-driven stories. I had to be right there. 
Okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I will snip. But uh, yeah, no, I really like that. And also, just because I've gotten into your, your storytelling before, I also know that you're big with world building. Listen, you have some of the coolest worlds. And just reading it, I'm like, so where can I get a ticket so I can go <laughs> and like stay a little while I'll come back to earth you know in a little bit and so I want to know your process for world building as well because you know I know you say like you go with the character and then you kind of like just build this world around them where they go through all this torture right (laughs) Right. (laughs) yeah you know that's about sums it up there Uh, for world building that's uh that's really hard to break the process down because, you know, if you go back to my bio, but I really was raised without TV, without gaming systems. And, um, I read for fun. And when I didn't have something to read, I lived in a backwoods town of under a thousand people. Mm. My nearest neighbors were like a quarter mile down the road. It wasn't like I could go out and play with kids. So my sister and brother and I would tell stories and we'd take turns. We'd each go for a couple minutes and then pass the story on. We, we, this wasn't something we did occasionally. This was part of our life. So making crap up on the sly, like <laughs> as we go, that's, that's that I've been doing that all my life. So it comes pretty naturally without having to think about it. Um, you know, I'm sure there's like lots of external influences for sure. You know, the, the, the sundry fantasy movies and books that I've read over my lifetime all influence my world building. Um, you know, visual stuff absolutely does, you know, some great creative fantasy art can totally spark an idea in my mind. Um, it, it's hard with, with magic systems. Cause I don't, I don't really care for magic systems that, don't have some kind of like rational basis. Like, don't tell me it's magic and they're going to go use this magic and then they can't use this magic and now they can't. Yeah, I've got a system. I got a way for this to work. Um, or then it just becomes really convenient to be able to use powers or not use powers as the plot dictates. So I, I got to have a system that makes sense to me. And I do believe, like, if we were to look at our life now in this generation and, um, you know, take someone from, 3000 BC and bring them here. They'd be pretty convinced we had a magic system. Okay. So I try to, I try to approach magic in the same way. It is a science we have yet to understand. And there's always an explanation for it. That doesn't mean there can't be like supernatural elements, but I mean, like if you're a spiritual person whatsoever, that's not magic. We just don't know how to break that down into scientific words yet. That that's it. It is it is just as logical and rational as everything else in this ever-expanding universe. We just don't know how to quantify it and define it. But as an author, we got to quantify and define, or at least I do. I, I've got it. Stick it in a box and make it easily digestible to my readers. Um, I have stayed away from what's been popular fantasy tropes like fairies and vampires and werewolves and stuff because one of the things I love about fantasy is I get to make my own stuff up. Mm -hmm. That that is the be all end all there. Why on earth would I want to regurgitate something someone else has done? Okay, now and I really feel this way, but I get it. I get it you do so you don't starve. I I, 
you know, I understand the balance there. And I am exploring a previously, uh, a, a definitely like common um, fantasy world, fantasy race trope in a, in a side project. And I can tell you that this doesn't give me near the amount of joy that making my own stuff up, but it's an experiment. The whole thing's an experiment. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and my number one priority for writing is joy. That's why I do it. Like, do I want to sell a million copies? Sure. Do I love interacting with other people that are passionate about the same things? Sure. But I write for the joy. And the moment something starts sucking the joy out of the process, I got to look at it real seriously. And if it's not vital, it's going to go. So I write the stories I want, the way I want, the length I want. And they're, that, that's like my, my happy place. Um, <laughs> I love this so much. And like everything you're saying, I'm just like resonating so hard with it. I know Stephanie is too. (laughs) Well, that's why we get on. We're over here like waving our little flags. Like, yes. (laughs) See, I believe that everybody has that thing that brings them joy, that thing that that they're inherently good at. I just don't think everybody tries enough stuff to find it, you know? I think everybody can have that place. Yes, yes. And it, it is like that experimenting and trying the new stuff. And I feel like one of the things that authors find that's very hard to do is, like you said, writing for joy, which is really fun and just making your own world and just being very creative. And that's something that I just had so much time when I was a teenager because I was homeschooled to just create and just be yes just be wild with my imagination and that's something that's invaluable like it's something I think back on I'm like yeah like I spent all this time just I spent like 10 years world building that was it like I remember sitting down with my notebooks just making up these creatures and describing their appearances because I was like I want these really weird creatures to be part of it and so there's just something where you can just create and that brings you joy and so much happiness. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the other side of it. Like, okay, like I'm an author and I want this to be my career so (laughs) I can have this joy all of the time. How do I balance that? And is that something that you've come across where you've had to balance that? Um, I should be a career author so I should write what readers expect or I can, I can figure out what readers want, but still use my creativity to give it to them. How do you kind of balance that? Oh yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I am really fortunate in that, you know, my husband brings home an income as well. So I have room to explore what I want to do. Um, I have also, you know, it's less pressure to decide that because it doesn't matter if I was a million dollar author, I would still be doing photography. So, so it's not a like choosing one or the other. Um, I definitely have made choices that, that further my joy over my career. For instance, I, didn't publish any of my books because they weren't where I wanted them to be. And to be really honest, they were a lot better than some other stuff I was reading, like craft wise. And I did not want to put something out in the world and then go, God, I should have waited. You know, like when I trained to be an electrician, they don't just let anyone go work on someone's plumbing, but you, you got to have a license for that. And you can't go out and you can't, 
install a breaker box without an electrical contract. You can't build a house without some kind of credentials. You can't work on people's teeth without a, a, a dentistry license. And while I don't believe in the overregulation of any industry, and I'd like to see the market be freer than it is at present, you know, I think we have an obligation to ourselves to give ourselves the tools we need to succeed before sticking ourselves in the crucible. And I, I think that had I started publishing earlier um, in an attempt to, to bring in earnings, that it would have created stress mm. and it would have taken joy away from the process. So I did choose joy over like, you know, kicking my career off as a writer. Um, there's, if my poor husband was to take off tomorrow, I'd probably be churning out romance novels every couple of weeks because I can write those with my eyes closed. So I do have a fallback, you know, like, <laughs> If I have to, I can, but you know, my gosh, like what, if I don't have to, I'm not gonna. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's funny because it's true, right? Uh, romance novelists, they're making a killing, but no. And I, I love romance novels. Like it wouldn't be something that I'm like, oh my gosh, the drudgery. It just wouldn't be my perfect place. Yeah, no, for sure. And I like that you have, first of all, you know what you want, right, as an author. And I think a lot of times writers can get into it thinking, okay, I think I want to do this, but they don't really know what they want. So then they dive in, probably publish it. It doesn't go anywhere. Then they get upset. They get depressed. They hate the craft. You know, maybe it was something that they love, but then they get burned out and they're like, well, you know, I failed. So I'm not just just not going to do this anymore. So I think, yeah, no, I think it's awesome that you're like, you know, let me just wait a while because, you know, career-wise, so you've got to think about that, right? Like, if you're going to put it out, you've got to be successful from the gate, especially- It's you know, my brand. You know, it's, it's my brand. I, I don't want to brand myself with like, oh, she, she should have studied up on her craft for a couple more years before. Like, and that's, that's, everyone has their opinions. There's going to be people that hate my work. There's going to be people that like my work and art subjective like that. It doesn't matter what medium you're working in. Not everybody's going to like your stuff. And I am cool with that. The one person I'm concerned about liking my stuff is me. I've got to like my stuff because if I'm not loving what I'm putting out, how in the world can I expect anyone else to? And I, I, I know my, I'm, I'm, I'm not young. I know myself well enough to know that if I, if I don't feel 100% confident in something, I'm going to keep pushing forward until I do, and that's going to make everything behind that starting line not up to my, my standards, and, and then I'm going to get upset with myself. So I just <laughs> bypassed it, took the stress away, and made it. No, no, but that's awesome. And so speaking about careers, right? Because I know you do photography, but um, and you're an incredible artist as well like shameless plug, um, shameless plug, but, um, no. So as, as far as like career, right. You know, because we are all career authors on here, like that's the goal as well. And so how did you approach that? I know that you did look into trad. Oh, I did. did. So like, 
talk about talk about that process of like looking at trad and looking at um being an indie author and what made you decide yeah no i'm being indie <laughs> <laughs> you'll be able to go back and edit this right now i'm just joking. um i did i i i didn't under i didn't know that that indie publishing was a sustainable career for mm. authors like when i started writing i wasn't i didn't know a single other writer for like 18 months into my fanatical writing journey and then somebody's like you need to get in a writing group and i i, I kid you not i'm like what's the writing group where do i find these i'm like where, where is this fabled place and um so i i wasn't plugged in to the scene at all my life revolved around the books that i read and and the stories that I wrote, I wasn't, I wasn't watching the market and I wasn't, um, I wasn't aware of the options and how much the scene had evolved. But I also wasn't really familiar with traditional publishing. I didn't know the steps involved in that. So when I was just like, you know what, I, I, th these stories that I'm writing are the stories that I've been wanting to read all my life and I could never find. So maybe there's people like me that are looking for these same stories that would like to read them. I, I want to share this. I want to make this a, a viable thing. And, you know, you, you got at least believe that your material, like if you don't believe your material is like career worthy, I go find something that, <laughs> that you feel better about, you know? So I'm like, I, I think this is a viable product here. I can, I can turn this into, to a career to writing. So, um, you know, I, I didn't even look in to indie publishing because that one buddy who told me about writing groups <laughs> told me I need to go query agents. Okay. So I didn't even know. All right. Right. No, right over my head. Um, wow. Well, first of all, the traditional publishing scene, I think is really like a commentary on everything that's wrong with, with, artists with and not like anything that's wrong with artists but the stuff they have to go through and it's not just this generation it's like everything before there is very little creative control um that that authors have over their products there's so much gatekeeping um and you know it was a shocker as i'm first looking into this like what what the timeline is for getting your story out there like reading some blog posts about like this was the story of road <laughs> and then this is the story that it ended up being once it went through all the editors and stuff and like i said my my number one um priority is joy and what was really killing me is i write doorstops like like i like that <laughs> the first book i read was over a million words like that was i did it all in text edit documents and then i bought scrivener like you know eight months later and compiled it all i'm like how long are books supposed to be like i didn't i didn't know i didn't know like i knew nothing completely ignorant and you know as i'm as i'm pursuing this and i'm writing all the while okay like this this is still very much peripheral um to my actual writing uh you know i'm learning about acceptable word counts and abuse because i mean if you're like me and you grew up in the the 80s and 90s you're probably not as old as me okay um so those those david eddings and terry goodkind books those were fat books all i don't read 
skinny books. Why on earth would I write a skinny book when I don't read skinny books? I avoid skinny books. So like the stories as they evolve in my head, because of course they're going to evolve after the same like style and format of the stuff I consume. We're like, you know, two and three times longer than <laughs> what the acceptable debut word count was for my category and genre. And that's after I'd like axed stuff mercilessly. That's after I like started like dropping articles and pronouns in order to like, seriously, like, how can I fudge this? How can I like cut down the word? Like, you know what? That's not my story anymore. And my beautiful voice is gone. And this isn't cool. This isn't fun anymore. Um, so I, I, I was, I had queried to me, I got some full requests. I think I had 10 out and, um, you know, in the interim, I'm on book Twitter, which is just a dumpster fire of people free. They're not building each other up. I mean, at all. So the world is burning. They don't look at the positive. They're not kind to each other. They're always talking nasty about each other. There's, there's so little of, there's so little love between the people in that community. I mean, there's their clicks, their stuff, but when someone comes along and they're not, they're not on the inside, like, there's a lot of browbeating. And I don't believe that's the way to change people or to help them evolve. Like if you yell and say, I don't care if you were telling me the most honest truth there is. If you yell and scream at me and tell me how awful I am, I'm not gonna hear a word you say because I'm on the defense. So the, the constant inundation with, with who said this and who did that, that just turned me off completely. I was like, I don't want to, I'll write my books and I'll hide my closet and I'll read them myself. I don't want to be a part of that. Um, and the girlfriend's like, well, why don't you just go indie? I'm like, what's this? <laughs> right up. I'm like, tell me more. Okay. So I, um, I pulled those <coughs> queries and I'm like, I, can make a book and like I said, like completely ignorant. I'm like, I can go add back in all the stuff I cut from my stories. So I, I did, I did, I pulled my queries and it was this beautiful, like unfurling inside me of this joy that had been squelched by negativity and limits and gatekeeping and time, like time. Like, why in the world am I writing books if people aren't going to read them? That's messed up. Like, if you're writing a book, okay, it, you want people to read it, right? So why in the world should you not let the world read your books? That's just, you want to query and go traditional? Sure, do it. But when they tell you to shelf the book, when they tell you that's not going to sell, get the book out in the world, for God's sakes. You wrote it. It's a piece of your heart and soul. That's, yes, that's exactly what I love about indie publishing is that control and just being able to say, okay, I'm done with my book and it's perfect and it's ready for the readers. And then you can put it out and you yeah. can give it to the readers and people love that. I, I will say the other thing I like is that your time windows are your own. And I have readers that are like, okay, like when's the next book coming out? We're ready. We're ready. And you know, I can say tomorrow or I can say next year. Sorry. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You oh, have control. Yes. You have, and they're your stories. And I, I think that's a big, like, I mean, especially like if you factor in and there's, 
of course, exceptions to the rule. But the average advance for a debut author in the traditional publishing industry, I believe, is between like five and thirteen thousand dollars, depending on genre and category. Like it's Wild. like two hundred percent below the U.S. poverty line. Like, yeah, no. like I remember. Just, that's I remember shameful. I read, that. I read that stat, and I was like, "Huh? Yeah." It's, it's just like, you know, all right, so you are slowed down to where you can only, like, produce, unless you're Nora Roberts, you know, but she, she can, like, turn that out because they just let her do what they want. They trust her, okay? The rest of us is like, we're lucky if we could, like, see a book of ours get out on the shelf every year because the, the, the industry is so slow. Meanwhile, the market really changes super fast. And I mean, like we watched the Academy thing blow up and um, what, what's the new thing? Prison romance is the new thing now. <laughs> but it's I like- I just saw it, that today. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm really behind. I know, I'm just like, how did this happen? I don't know, right? Um, but I mean, that's, that's, if you go back to putting bread on the table and taking care of your family, which I mean, should be, it's great for us to be all artistic and, and followers. And, but at the end of the day, we have to keep roof over our heads and we have to feed our family, keep shoes on our feet. So, um, there, there's a lot to be said for the flexibility that indie publishing provides as, um, if something isn't working, you can right now stop what you're doing, but what's not working and go try something else, which is really impossible to do when you don't have any control over what's going on with your stories. Um, so if I was to like sum it all up, like the thing that really got me with choosing to indie publish, <laughs> this is going to sound like, oh my gosh, so shallow, is my word count. That's really what it boiled down to. Like I can use all the words I want now. I can take however long I want to to tell a story. So that was like really what lured me over to the other side here. And then I'm so glad to be here because there really are um, just career wise, uh, so many more options. Like I, I think most authors or serious writers that are pursuing authorship as a means to provide for their families or for themselves um, are, are aware that writing in traditional publishing is not going to pay the mortgage. I mean, most people who we think of as famous offers, I mean, you know, there's, like I said, exceptions, but they're working another job or they have a partner who's bringing in another income. Um, it's definitely with the exceptions of the really big breadwinners, um, traditional publishing isn't a way to pay a mortgage, put your kids through school. Whereas with self-publishing, we, we, we can do, we can do it all. And we're already seeing like some really big name authors that have been around for, for decades now self-publish. Um, and I think that's really exciting. I, I, I do worry, you know, Amazon is our bread and butter. I worry about antitrust legislation and how we might have to learn everything over again. But if they break the company up, everybody's going to have to learn all over again. So it really doesn't matter. It's an even playing field. Um, so I, I feel really good about the direction of this industry and I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty pragmatic about that. Um, but I think we have a lot more opportunities ahead of us than behind us. Whereas I, I don't see the traditional publishing industry evolving fast enough 
to survive with this new creature that's now on the scene. So I think um, if I think we're going to see a lot of downsizing in that sector over you know the next ten years um, to where we don't see midlist authors anymore. We just see the big names. Um, so that would be my my forecast on those industries. <laughs> no, and um, speaking of being indie, you know, and speaking of the career, let us talk about Golden Books, shall we? So I know you have a new release out and you're going to be, I believe, rapid releasing, right? Mm-hmm. So talk to us about the story, about the series itself, the one that is out now, where they can get it, and what it's about. And so just- Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> So um, I actually wrote this story um, as like a palate cleanser for my passion project. I went out of my way to develop characters that were the polar opposite of these other people who I'd been living in their head for, you know, like a couple years off and on. And um, so this story is epic high fantasy. I would consider it a dark fantasy. There's like some really, um, there's gore. It's not over the top, but there's, there's some really like raw themes that, that I, I think a lot of us in life have been exposed to and therefore may have a personal investment in, in that material. And it might be a dark place for us. It's, it's nothing over the top, but it's, it's stuff that like, doesn't give you the warm fuzzies all the time. So I would classify it as a dark fantasy, but on that note also, I try to balance my, my dark moments with humor and such. So, um, so it's not like all doom and gloom. It's what is it? Grim dark. It's not like that. It's not like you're slogging with a broken back through this gray dreary landscape. Not at all. Um, so it, it really follows a story of, um, of a girl who has been completely indoctrinated her entire life by by a regime that has engineered the public into thinking the world is one way and and it's not and she is 100% indoctrinated and um, she's a great character definitely spunky uh, fun really loyal to her friends and she thinks she knows it all and in her pride she totally messes up her life <laughs> so then the, the the trilogy starts off with her trying to write those mistakes that she's made and it follows her through you know no spoilers or anything it follows her through a transformative process where she is able to make peace with those mistakes that she's made and move beyond them um you know the 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 consequences never go away just like in real life like you the deed's been done. <laughs> You've got to live with it now. But it really, like, she has to live with it now. And and she becomes a, a more dynamic person through embracing her failures. Um, if you like old school, traditional high fantasy where it's secondary world and there's magic and animals that you don't see. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not portal fantasy or... Uh, urban fantasy or anything like that. It's classic high fantasy. And uh, there's a lot of banter, a lot of good friend stuff. Um, it's, I wouldn't 
I, I would call, I classify it as like adult YA crossover because it's adult content, but it's written with that YA aesthetic where it's a really close narration. Um, the, the pacing's fast. Uh, it, it has that YA feel to it, totally does. Um, but the material, I, I wouldn't want my 13 year old to read it, you know. Um, I'd be fine with, you know, my 16, and these are arbitrary numbers I'm throwing out. They're like, when I was, when I was a kid, I read well beyond my reading level, so I learned about sex from Jean Emma Ewell's The Earth's Children at like 10, which I'd rather my children not. So um, just throwing it out there, if you've got a reader who reads about their grade level, I'd, I'd, I'd read this first before I let my kids read it. Um, that that would be my my call on that um there's i'd give it like a six on the gore factor um language i actually because we're at the mercy of amazon which i love amazon i shop on amazon i sell on amazon um but we're also indies without a a big platform behind us and a lot of money behind us so we got to try to like fly under the the little autobot radar when they're looking for things to ding us on so profanity wise there's no first world profanity in the book so if you're offended by the f word that don't worry it's not in there <laughs> um <clears throat> So I have a prequel out right now. I'm going to release the rest of the trilogy. I think we decided what, like the end of May, I think the week before Memorial Day, I've got to pull the trigger on that. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing that soon and get a release date out to you. Uh, the books are big. I think the, the prequel is like 120K, so roughly 400 words, 400 pages. And um, the books get progressively longer. First one is 180, then 230, and I think I'm looking around like 240, 250 with the third one. I'd be really sad to see my characters go. Um, I've been really awful to them, but I think that I've, you know, like nursed them through and handheld them. Like they get their happy endings. You're always going to get a happy ending. It might be a bittersweet ending with me, but I read and write for escapism. So I, I don't want anyone, just like I don't want to get done with the book and just be like gutted and a lower person for having read it. Like there might be some heartache and some tears and you might say where say farewell to like a couple of side characters, but I, I'm, I'm never going to like truly rip my reader's heart out and then not give it back to them. That's, I don't sign up to read that kind of stuff and I don't want my readers to, to walk away with that experience. So. Yeah, that sounds absolutely phenomenal. And I went ahead and downloaded the prequel and I'm really excited to dig in. I was just like scrolling through and I was like, oh, this is long. Like, <laughs> I'm in for it. Oh, <laughs> so girl, excited. you don't even know. Like, that was supposed to be a prequel novella. See, she <laughs> understands me. So Angela always makes fun of me, right? Because like, so my prequel novella was supposed to be a short story. Yeah, Fred, yeah. See, this is three why we times don't belong in traditional <laughs> You know, and it just kept getting longer and longer. And after a while, I was like, you know what? I am long-winded and I do not mind. <laughs> we're not long-winded. It's not, we're not describing. I've read your stuff too, Stephanie. We don't describe a scene for four pages. We just get deep with our people and there's lots of layers that make up what's happening to them. That's the stuff I like to read. And the people that don't like to read that stuff don't have to. So I mean, there's something out there for everyone. There's nothing wrong with being an overrider. <laughs> <laughs> and 
hey, we're indie. We can do our own word counts. That's, that's, that's the beauty that's of it. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing right there. Love it. But my um, final thing, I guess I would say is, you know, talking about just your journey and your stories. Do you have anything for those who are listening? Do you have anything that you would want to leave them with? Maybe any advice? It doesn't, whether so, it's so your, your, your audience, is, is it mainly authors or readers? Uh, indie authors and aspiring. Indie okay. Authors. So, so this, this, for the people that are just thinking about it, like, we should have pulled up like the first book I ever wrote. Okay, so I asked in one of our, our indie fantasy groups on Facebook just the other day, is anybody wanting to write a book but isn't or is afraid to try? And there was a lot of readers that really, they got a story in them. Like they know there's, it's already in them. They know their story. They just don't know how to get from point A to point B. And the ones that try look at their chicken scratch first draft and go, I'm never going to be where this book is. Well, none of us were like, I mean, some of us thought we were. <laughs> then we go back years later. We're like, Whoa, I'm really glad I didn't publish that. Uh, we all suck when we're first learning a skill and it doesn't matter if it's writing or piano playing or cooking. Like there is a learning curve and writing is a skill. There are people with innate talent. I, I totally believe that there's people with innate talent with everything in life. And that makes their journey easier, but it is a skill. And everything that makes a story great can be learned. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing to invest the time in learning, there, nothing can hold you back. I mean, and the resources that are available are just it's amazing. There's a lot of free resources available. So if, if you don't know where to start, I always recommend jumping in fan fiction because you already know the characters, you already know the world. Jumping into fan fiction lets you find your pace as a writer. Um, if you're comfortable with writing, but you really don't know how to step up your game, go get yourself a used copy of the Chicago Manual of Style, the previous edition, so it's not costing you an arm and a leg. Um, that is the, the style guide for US writers who write fiction. And any, any grammatical stuff or style stuff you're going to find in that book, it's going to tell you what the accepted standard is. There's also Owl Purdue Online, which is an online writing laboratory that has a great free course. This is free stuff, okay? And then um, grab yourself a used copy of, of the, the Grammar Bible. It's a blue book you can get for like four bucks on Amazon used, and it has everything you need you need to know for for structuring your your grammar and your writing and as far as stories goes i could let, recommend like a thousand craft books for structuring your story but i think the best way to learn is to take 10 of your favorite books and 10 of your least favorite books that that are good books that 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 the reading community has all agreed as good books and study them. Find out what the common factors are in those 10 books that you love. What's the point of view? Uh, what do the arcs look like? What does the tension look like? Tell me about the characters. What is it about the characters? And you're going to find all these commonalities between the books that you love and the books that you hate. And so stay away from the stuff you don't like. If, if you don't like multiple points of view in your reading, don't try to write them. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything you can do whatever you want it's really cool but you are gonna do 
a better job when you're doing stuff you love. So if you can find out what it is about the books you read that give you joy, you can translate that back onto the page and create your own stories that give you joy. Well said. Love it. And for so you were homeschooled? People, yeah, I was homeschooled for oh, my entire life. life. Oh, me too. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, I love it. It was amazing. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. There were times when I really wanted to go to school, but uh, as I grew older, I realized what a gift it was and how yeah. much time I had to do right. whatever I wanted. Oh my God, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, I, I'm just on my own little island over here. I went to public school. I mean, when I was little, I went to private school, but then I went to public school. And then like I would hear about homeschoolers at first, I would judge, and I'm like, hey, you're homeschooled. And then I was no longer in school, and I was like, oh, but I wish I was homeschooled. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know what? I, no judgment on the judging of homeschoolers, because, like, having – I'm sure Angela can relate to this. There's people that shouldn't be homeschooling. Yeah. That, that's – that, you know, if you can't – if you can't find a means to socialize your kid, there sh you should not be homeschooling, because that's important. Um if you can't stay on top of stuff, you should, I've, I've met a lot of people that have struggled through their adult life because they weren't given the skills um, they needed Ooh. to be successful. But by that same token, the families that did homeschooling, right? My God, their kids, <laughs> their kids thrived and they're happy. Yeah. Like my, my boys, I homeschool my boys and. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But when we go to the playground with other kids, they don't know. We homeschool through charter school. Um, so they take classes where they get to learn classroom etiquette and interact with other kids. And we're really mm -hmm. involved in our synagogue. So there's socialization there and then all the extracurricular stuff. But when they'll go to the park and play with like other kids in the neighborhood, my kids are always like, why are they so mean? <laughs> why are they? It's because they've learned to be because that's, you have to be to survive in that environment. It's, they don't have any choice. It, it, it really breaks my heart because I used to nanny for a family and their four-year-old, like, I would go to her classroom sometimes and I'd be like, what is going on here? Why are these kids so awful to each other? Like, they're just mean. Kids mm -hmm. are mean. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't have this mean kid environment to grow up right. in. Right, right. And just and, think, you probably blossomed so much with out that environment around like because when when you're worried about how people are going to treat you for what you're doing or saying or wearing or thinking yes. you hold back so yes yes and oh oh goodness well this has been amazing Mary. we loved having you on like this is oh, just awesome just like the conversation good. perfect <laughs> This was good. Like, I mean, yes. I, I want to talk about just like a good old fashioned, just writer. No, I totally feel like I'm just chilling with you ladies and stuff. <laughs> Love it. Oh, it's amazing. But thank you so much for the sage advice. And we will be dropping all of the links in the show notes. So oh, yeah. For those who want to know where to get the books, where to find you. I just wanted to talk to some other grown ups about writing. <laughs> I love it. I mean, like everything you were saying was like spot on. I was like, I can resonate so hard with like being young and thinking I knew everything mm -hmm. and then making sure that I write what I want to write and not worrying too much about what other people are thinking or writing or trying to keep it with academy trends and all that fun stuff. Just, oh, all the things. Mm -hmm. 
I think good people gravitate towards each other. I think there's something that pulls us together. I think so too. I think so. It's I concur. But this was absolutely awesome and we loved having you. And we'll definitely got to get you back because this was really, really good. I mean, like you dropped some gems and I hope our listeners, you were taking notes. Um, I hope y'all went Anytime. She came with some tea, y'all. I hope you caught it. So um, this was awesome. And we will catch everyone on the next episode. For sure. Bye, ladies. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you, Angela. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs>